Well, hi everyone, and welcome to the Effective Teaching Podcast. We are up to episode 71, and today I'm sitting down at my house in my office for the very first time to interview Annette Gray, who is from Primary Learning, and she is an expert in literacy. So we're going to have a chat today all about literacy. Thank you so much for joining me, Annette. My pleasure. Uh, So Annette, can you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself to get us started? My name's Annette Gray. I am a teacher. I did my training many years ago when we went to Teachers College, which meant that we learned how to be a teacher from 8 o'clock in the morning until 5 o'clock at night. Um, There were very few um, other subjects that we, we had to deal with. It was all about how do you teach and what do you teach and what your philosophy and so on. I taught for many years in classrooms and um, then moved towards literacy and it, it became paramount of paramount importance for me um, during the 1990s when um, the literacy strategy from the New South Wales Department of Education and Training began. And um, Dan, that was when there was a really big focus on, on literacy and I realised that many of the things that I'd been doing were in fact essentially literacy um, and I became quite fascinated by it all, became a literacy consultant and I've since um, worked as a literacy consultant and advisor in primary schools, high schools um, and internationally and um, now working with primary learning with Catherine Cartwright. Well, yes, and Catherine was on one of our earlier episodes. She was and indeed. She was great and mm. I did say to her that we'd have you on. Good, And it's just fantastic that we get to actually sit Good. here together and, and do this today. So. Can you share with us then, what is your understanding of literacy and what it is? Well, it's it's a bit, there's a, a, a description of it as being slippery and fluid. It's um, literacy is not a subject, number one. So to say we're studying literacy is a bit nonsensical and we're having a literacy hour is nonsensical as well. Um, literacy, um, the components of literacy are not ends in themselves. They are all there for a purpose and the purpose of literacy is to make meaning and to make sure that we are understood and that we understand and that we comprehend what we're doing and we have those skills and abilities to be able to do it. So literacy are described by uh, by people as a horizon rather than a destination. That's a lovely quote that I like. We're never literate enough. We go on developing our literacy skills because we need them for different things. Um, But essentially it's about making meaning. And in our schools we need to develop a culture of literacy so that that goes right across the board so that we are foregrounding literacy, not necessarily foregrounding, but ensuring that literacy essentials are encompassed in all subjects. Um, in, in our syllabuses, we're very fortunate because literacy is described as a general capability. It doesn't sit in anywhere. It is necessary for informing learning across the curriculum and to achieve the broad learning outcomes. So when children have well-developed literacy skills, their learning outcomes are going to uh, are going to improve dramatically. Mm. Okay, so you're saying so it's not just the job of the English teacher to teach literacy then? English is the language we use, but literacy, there's literacy in Japanese and literacy in any other subject as well. It slots into language, into English because it is the language that we use. But there's also the language of visual text and there's also the language of gesture and, and meaning and there's the, the, the literature of, the literacy of movement and, and so on. So that we have, we, we have, it's everywhere, yes. No, it's not the role of the... The English teacher must teach literacy in English in that subject 
and we all use the English language to teach literacy in our subjects. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I would agree with that for sure. As a PDH teacher, I've always seen literacy as something that is a priority in my classroom and that we've always made sure that we do really well, particularly, well, I like to think that I did a good job of it in my classroom at least anyway. Can you talk to us a little bit then, how can we go about prioritising literacy across our schools? Well, one of the biggest issues is that the, the, I'll call it the common sense view of literacy is it's reading and writing and as long as children can do that and speak and listen, that's enough. But the demands of literacy, the demands on children of uh, literacy have altered dramatically in even in the last 20 years since the advent of the um, advent and 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 spread of the um, of the internet so what we have now is students have huge demands um, specifically about the authority of a, of a text the variety of text that's available and the conventions of text these have changed they've they've altered considerably and we can see with um, platforms like Twitter where we get lots of stuff coming. We don't know whether it's information or whether it's opinion. Those lines are very blurred now and we're actually seeing some of the ramifications of that. It's very difficult to to uh, check the credibility of a, of a source if you don't have that list of references at the back of the book <laughs> to be able to look up. Um, so there's greater complexity of platforms and voices and purpose and audience. Now, we need to understand that in our schools so that we can say, all right, when we are looking at the literacy demands of a subject, what are they going to look, what, what are the types of text that these students are going to interact with? What, what skills do they need to be able to understand, to um, to summarise, to be able to analyse and to be sceptical about and so on, and then to be able to use and to use the language of that subject. So as a whole school issue, it needs to be what are our priorities, and I'll use that word, it's a word that's overused dramatically in schools because we've got so many priorities. (laughs) If we're going to have literacy across the board, then we need to say what are the most important ones that we can have a look at, and we might talk about those a bit later. Yeah. So when it comes to literacy, then how, how does literacy then contribute to lifelong learning and for our students to be able to be self-sufficient in how they go about learning you know, within schools, but even when they leave school? Well, students are learning all the time. Um, things, Even things that we don't want them to learn, they are <laughs> learning all the time, as we well know. Um, any parent can tell you but yeah, the yeah, children are learning I've got two and they always learn stuff that I don't want them to learn. All sorts of stuff that we don't necessarily want them to learn. So what we need to do is to say, all right, what is literacy in terms of the world? The liter- literacy is, is power. And so if we want our students to be able to understand the world and to be able to have control of their lives, then they need to be able to use to have to have the skills and understandings um, to be able to to make the decisions and and make the choices about about what they're going to do with with making meaning with making themselves understood. Yeah, and so would you put in like yeah, the four C's get put around a lot, right, in, within education at the moment? Uh, would you put something like critical reflection and the ability to work out? the um, authority of a text that you're reading as part of your literacy approach? Absolutely. Absolutely. The question is, you know, can you believe this person? Or who is this person to start with? Who is saying this? And can you believe them? What what credibility do they have? Um, and the other one is, is what is their purpose? 
So it's coming back to that idea of, of the text and how it's constructed, who it's designed for and what is the author's purpose. Now that's the power of literacy and it's about uh, students need to know that too. So if they're going to create a text, they need to know what sort of text they're going to create, what is their purpose and um, who is their intended audience. Now every child needs to be able to make meaning and to make themselves understood, every child. Now the way they do that is to know in the classroom that their opinion, their voice, their ideas are going to be valued. And that comes back to building that trust, which the teacher has to do, building that trust between themselves and the students to be able to say, we're all learning, we're learning, and every teacher has learned as much from their students as the students have learned from them, I'm sure. We're going to learn together and we're going to learn about these things. The teacher is one step away from that by saying, I'm going to guide these students and I'm going to take them here. So the school needs to say, we've got this focus or this priority. We're going to have the, the, we're going to look at what is absolutely essential for every child to be able to make meaning and to be understood and to become a confident learner when they are in this school. We have them for seven years in the primary school. And it's as if every year they go to a new class, oh, it's a new thing, it's a new something, we're going to start all over again. Seven years, if we could do planning for the seven years that a child is at a primary school to be able to say, all right, what are their skills, what are their ambitions, what are their hopes, what are their, what are their um, skills that they have now, what do they need to learn? Do they have to actually learn that in week three of year three? No, they don't. They don't. We can, we can build that in. So it's looking at the child, the whole child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got to say... Uh, recently, I finished reading uh, Ken Robinson's book, Creative Schools. I've actually, uh, the podcast before this will be all about that, actually. So uh, in Creative Schools, he actually talks about the, act, the, the core thing of teaching is actually all about the relationship that exists between the teacher and the student because it's the most important thing when it comes to actually helping your students learn uh, because it's all built upon that relationship, which is something that you Absolutely. mentioned really clearly. Totally. You, we have to trust the children but they have to know that they can trust us so that if they are going to have a go at something, mm. it's not going to be treated with, with derision, with insult or with contempt, which unfortunately we've seen teachers do, oh, or yeah. with being dismissed. Yeah. No, it's not that. I was working with a, with a teacher who was um, dealing with some children about where the wild things are. I know everybody knows this book and I've got it here just because it's one of the favourites that we use for... Thank you, Maurice Sendak. Um, and she'd been talking with the children the day before and I came into the lesson the next day and she said, now remember we were talking about um, where the wild things are and this small child, year two it was, and he put his hand up and he said, oh, I think it was just a dream. And she said, of course it was. And on they went with her lesson. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought that we've lost that. That was a point. That was a point of which could have been rich and rewarding for every one of those children. And that child was dismissed, but you've got your little plan to go on. And I was very sad for that child, actually, yeah. and that teacher, because she's not going to get the rewards that she, she deserved. Yeah. So what can listeners do this week uh, to help improve students' literacy in their classrooms? Uh, particularly, like we're about to start a, a new school year here in Australia. So what, what can we do to make sure that we start the year well uh, as we look at literacy? 
Well, for me, it's that building that trust. That's where you start, right smack at the beginning. The very moment those children walk into that room, by recess, they know whether they can trust you or not. What what the first activities need to be, something that says to the child, you are important to this classroom. This is our classroom. We're going to be here for a year. You don't have to say all that. But you say, your role here is important. Now, I know at the beginning of the year, and I've having a look at Twitter and various other sites that I use where people say, oh, you know, I've just bought all this stuff. Where can I buy this to put up posters in my room and I've got this and I've got this and I've got this so that the child walks into what the teacher often thinks is a welcoming classroom. In fact, it's a very busy classroom. And the teacher has said, this is my classroom and this is what I've put up because this is what I value. Now, that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that apart from the fact that you've now got 25 children sitting there saying, well, it's not ours, yeah. even if it's not a conscious saying. A friend of mine a few years ago um, went back to the classroom after some years being a consultant and um, she, she had bought a robot and the robot was going to be part of the class. So when the children came in, and this was a year six, I, whether I'd try, you tried in a different way with other children. When the children came into the classroom, she had the robot, she had the, the materials that, or, you know, the desks, and not the desks, the cupboards and things around. I think there were some desks. And a bolt of um, uh, raw um, hessian. And the children all sat on the floor and they all sort of looked around going, you know, where's our class? And she said, well, this is our classroom. So what are we going to do? Yeah. I think that's a great way to start. I think it is too. And I was thinking it's true and I thought if you, even if you came up with a plan just for the desks, for example, because you want the kids to come in and not be lost, I mean, we'd just sit on the floor anywhere. is a bit demanding for anybody. So to give the children a, you know, find a seat or your name is somewhere, but you could actually set up um, a class plan online, um, a digital one, so that you've got symbols for the desks and symbols for the children and symbols for the storage materials and symbol for the, symbols for the, the various things that are going to be in the classroom. And you have that set up. That's your class plan. And then invite the students to reconfigure and reorganise as they want. Now... That can be collaborative. It could be you and I working it out for our classroom. It could be three students doing it. They could come up with a plan, print it, take it home and have a bit of a discussion with their parents about what could be possible. The talking that's going on is authentic. It's purposeful. The audience is themselves because it's going to be of value to them. You could go through the syllabus, the speaking and listening, the New South Wales syllabus through the Australian curriculum and you would find that you have dealt with quite a lot of the outcomes just in having that conversation. Um, you could then go through the, if you, you're going to be using the, um, the uh, National Literacy Progression, which this is designed for those students who are either achieving extraordinarily well or not quite so well but they're not quite in the middle of that where you would expect your grade to be through your careful observation and listening to the children and their contributions you'll be able to say okay I can see that that child didn't participate orally but they did make lots of notes or they did organize this or they did that so you've got your assessment you've got in that first week of having that as your focus for how we're going to set up our classroom you've just 
dealt with literacy every single minute of that process and you don't have to then go off and say, oh, now we're going to do a worksheet on something or other because you've done it. You've done it. You've got it all there and it is purposeful and authentic and meaningful. Yeah, well, I think that's great. I think it's a great way to start the year. And you know, even for high school teachers who may not have their own classroom, still having that process of how we're going to set up you know, how the class runs uh, and how it's going to uh, be laid out when we do come together is still a process that's very valuable and that you can still implement throughout what you're doing in your classroom. So thank you so much, Annette, for all the information you've given us. Can you just tell us, the listeners, where they can go to find you if they would like more information from you? Uh, primarylearning.com.au. Uh, we have a, uh, Catherine and I have a website. We only deal with uh, literacy and numeracy, and Catherine's focus, of course, is more mathematics. Um, we have a blog. We have um, numerous resources there for your for your use. We also have courses that we run. We would love to see you on um, on primarylearning.com.au. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for giving me your time. Thanks for coming and visiting me here. It's at my wonderful. House. Yes, it's very exciting. Uh, so, for all our listeners, if you would like to head over to teacherspd.net/slash seventy-one, you can access. All the show notes, also have links there. If you forget, you know, um, primarylearning.com.au, come to the teacherspd.net slash 71 and there'll be a link there where you can go and see all the stuff uh, that Primary Learning offer you at the moment. But uh, that's it for this week. I hope to talk to you again next week.